I did the most, it's like the craziest thing I've ever done. I have climbed mountains. I've run races. I've done adventure half marathons on the coast in Ireland. I have climbed the equivalent of Everest. I've I've done crazy challenges, but I did something this weekend that I did not believe was possible. And I don't mean that I did something I didn't think was possible for me. I mean, I did something on Sunday that I did not know was possible for humans. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Before we jump into today's podcast, which I am really excited to talk to you guys about because you're not even going to you're not even going to believe it. I literally did something impossible. Except it wasn't impossible. I now know it wasn't impossible, but I thought it was impossible and I'm pretty sure you also think what I did is impossible. We're going to get to that. But before we do, you can't see me. If you're listening to this, you'll have to watch it on YouTube if you care to see. You can't see me, but I'm holding this giant mug. And as I was preparing this little tea before I came in here to talk to y'all, I was like, I'm going to talk to them about this because it has been so helpful in my life and it is the simplest thing. This is not an ad, obviously. (laughs) Who would pay me to say this? Can we have a conversation about ginger? No, I am not referring to the redheaded woman on Gilligan's Island slash do kids today even know what Gilligan's Island is? I'm not sure. Ginger, the root, the whatever family of, it's not a fruit, it's it's not a vegetable. I don't know what it is. You know what I'm talking about. It looks like a sort of a potato with hands. (laughs) Oh my God. So ginger, I did not grow up eating it. And I think that if your family doesn't cook with certain ingredients or certain foods, they feel really foreign to you. I didn't really have ginger to my knowledge until I was an adult and I tried sushi and then I would have ginger with my sushi. I definitely didn't have raw ginger. And then as I started to get healthier and learn about nutrition, I kept seeing it come up as this great example of something that was good for you. And it was always like this, oh, I want to have more ginger in my life. I know that I should. And I've been on this journey for, oh, golly, um, probably a year to balance my hormones. And in learning how to balance my hormones, P.S., side note, I'm estrogen dominant. So I worked with a a homeopathic doctor and a naturopath and all those things to learn how to balance my hormones without medicine and it has literally been life-changing. I'm going to interview my doctor all about it so you guys can learn about it too. In the meantime, 
Google it. If you've never heard of estrogen dominance, look up the symptoms because it'll blow your mind. So I've been on this journey and in learning about how to balance my hormones, I also really started focusing on nutrition, not just for health, but also to make sure that my hormones, my body, all of it had everything that it needed to help me have the best periods, the best menstruation. Um, and I don't mean like, oh, I want to be the winner at menstruation. I mean, I want to not have cramps. I want to not have my mood swings go so crazy. And so I just really went on this journey. And in doing that, I kept reading that gender was really powerful for inflammation in your body. It helps with cramping. It's good for nausea. And so I have gotten in the habit over the last few months of buying just one of those giant pieces of ginger at the store. And I got to tell you, for years, I would walk by that bin and be like, who on earth could ever use this much ginger? Me. I can. Uh, So I keep it on the counter so that I – well, I think anything in life that you want to develop as a habit, you have to see it. And I'm like something – I like – things to be neat and organized. But when I'm trying to like bring something in as a routine, I will put it right where I can't miss it. So I put this big ginger root on the counter. And then every day I tear off a piece, I peel it, I cut it into big chunks. I boil water, put the ginger and the water in a mug, let it steep for like 10 minutes. And then I sip on the tea. And number one, I love the flavor. But number two, I just cannot recommend it enough for I just it I just love it. And before we start this conversation, I just I was making this and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna share it because I bet there's someone who is struggling with inflammation or is struggling with they're having cramps or maybe they're having nausea around their time of the month. And y'all, if you haven't done it yet, try ginger. And yes, you can buy ginger tea and there's ginger powder, but I just, whenever possible, if you can have the actual food in its form, it's better for you than taking a supplement. So that is my small push for you to incorporate fresh ginger into your life. And now let's have a podcast. On Sunday, I did the most, it's like the craziest thing I've ever done. I have climbed mountains, I've run races, I've done adventure half marathons on the coast in Ireland, I have climbed the equivalent of Everest, I've I've done crazy challenges, but I did something this weekend that I did not believe was possible. And I don't mean that I did something I didn't think was possible for me, I mean I did something on Sunday that I did not know was possible for humans. And that sounds obnoxious and douchey, but for real. I ran a full marathon on Sunday without training to run a marathon. Man, if we had some like cool editing or just, I mean, this would be the time for like some kind of sound effect, an explosion perhaps. Before I get into what I did and how I did it and how I'm still alive, let's start at the beginning of my running journey. And I just want to set my intention with you right now. My goal in this episode is that at the end of it, you are going to go sign up for a race. 
I don't care if it's a full marathon. I don't care if it's a 5K. I don't care if you walk it. I don't care if it's a turkey trot. I just vehemently believe in the power of running and training and doing a race to elevate your mood, to lift your spirit, to make you believe in yourself, to push yourself into hard things, to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And most especially, if you are a mom, I don't know anything in my life other than childbirth that makes me prouder than mar- like than my marathon. And even with childbirth, there is this sort of preconceived notion that your body knows how, like, oh, well, your body knows how, like you can, not that it's not hard, not that it's not impossible for some people, but that that's a more, I'm using air quotes, natural thing. Whereas a marathon, you actually have to train, you have to work, like all of it. So that's my intent. I want you to know by the end of this, I, I want you to be like, you know what? Hell yeah, let's go. I'm going to do it. So just so you know, so at the end you're not like, oh, how did she bamboozle me into all of a sudden I signed up for a half marathon, whatever. Uh, just that's my goal. I grew up, I was not athletic. I I was the president of the drama club in, you know, it, I did theater. Uh, sports weren't really my thing. I sort of wish that I had had parents who were into sports and would have encouraged me in that way because I think it's so good for kids. But it just wasn't my jam. And I definitely grew up, and I you would have heard me say a million times in my life, I am not a runner. I, I hate running. I'm not a runner. I don't run, blah, blah, blah. And like a lot of people, there were many times in my early adult life where like I would try and get in shape, like it would be a new year and I'd try and get in shape. And the way I'd try and get in shape was like to go on a jog, but I didn't know what I was doing and I hated it. And it just wasn't my jam, basically, is what we're getting at here. And I never in my life anticipated that I would be a long distance runner. I actually can't really believe that I run long distance now. But what happened was I was pregnant with my third son and I was very pregnant. I was like seven months pregnant and it was my third baby and I was uncomfortable and I didn't really have, uh, I didn't have any healthy approach to pregnancy. I really didn't understand my own health at the time. So when I got pregnant, I didn't, I, I, I know maybe this sounds so stupid if you're listening to this now in 2022, but I didn't know that I could work out. I didn't know that I could, that, or that I should, you know, do yoga or take walks or do anything to like have healthy pregnancy. I, I really didn't. And so I didn't do anything during any of my pregnancies. And when I was seven months pregnant with Ford, my third son, my ex-husband, he was my husband at the time, he decided to run a half marathon with one of the guys in his office. And it was so cool and he like got in amazing shape and he started running and they just did the cool. And I was like super jealous. Number one, I felt like a, you know, a 
the Goodyear blimp, I felt so like awkward and weird. And my body was like, I had this big belly. And then I was watching him get to go do this cool thing. And he was doing something he didn't think he could do. And I just wanted that. And the competitive nature in me was like, okay, if he can run a half marathon, I can run a half marathon. So after I had Ford and I, you know, spent a few months recuperating, kind of like getting myself back together mentally and emotionally and, you know, starting to get a little bit of sleep again, I reached out to the guy that he ran the half marathon with because he was a marathon runner and he had run for like 25 years. And so I was like, hey, can you tell me how to train for a race? And he was like, yep. So I put together a full schedule for me to run the Disneyland half marathon, which happens, or this was back in the day. Maybe it's still the same. I'm not sure. But they used to do it every Labor Day weekend in Anaheim. And just as a side note, having run races all around the world, I will – die on this hill. There is no better race to run on this earth, at least not that I have found so far, than a Disney run. Nobody does it better. Nobody can even touch the hem of the garment of Dis- of Run Disney. They are, in fact, it's almost like dangerous to have that be your first race because it's so well done that you think all races will have water stations at every mile. You think all races will have all the bathrooms. You think all races will have like Darth Vader and Mickey Mouse cheering for you while you run. I am not making that up. Run Disney is, I I, I have been talking about them for years. I've never, I've never gotten anything from them. This is not an ad. There's no better way to get into running than to do a Disney race. And they're not inexpensive. No race is. Honestly, no run is inexpensive. It, they usually are like 250 bucks or something like that. And Disney's probably a bit more. But as someone who has produced lots of events, I can tell you that the reason they're expensive is because it is hella expensive to close down 13 miles or 26 miles of roads and get the police involved and like, It's so expensive to put on a run. So just FYI, they're expensive for a reason. All of that to say, he puts together this schedule for me to do this race, and I start doing it. And when I started that, I could not run half a mile. I I literally, I could not run half a mile without feeling like I was going to pass out, I was exhausted, and or I was going to die, or I was going to pee my pants. Like The amount of times I've like peed my pants running, I mean, get in line. The list is so long. You just like get over it. You're going to pee your pants a little bit if you've pushed a baby out. It's fine. I started training for this race, and somewhere along the way, he was really smart, and he was like, you need to run a race before you get to your actual half. And so he signed us up Dave and I, because Dave was going to do it with me, he signed us up for a 5K. Now, the beauty, the the fucking beauty, and I'm going to cuss because I this is a passionate subject for me. The beauty of running as an analogy for life, I don't know anything better. First of all, it does not matter where you are starting at. 
I, I cannot stress this to you enough. If you get to a race, I don't care if it's a 5K and I don't care if it's a full marathon, you are going to see people on that course that are in wheelchairs, that are 85 years old, that are, you know, have lost a limb in war, that are blind, that are like you are going to be so inspired. You're going to see people who are on you know, a massive weight loss journey. And you're like, you, you don't, you can't even, the inspiration in human beings on race day, I just don't know a community of people that are more aligned with like, whoever you are, whatever you're about, you are welcome here. We're all struggling. We're all winded. We're all doing something. We're not sure if we can, it's just, damn, it is so inspiring. So he's like, you should run a 5K. And I'm like, okay, we signed up for this 5K. And I remember it was in June because Labor Day was the actual race. And I'm thinking 5K, that's like three point something miles. Okay, I could do this. Me thinking I am about to die on this course doing a 5K. That's what I need you to hear me say. When I started running, I everything I did felt scary and everything I did felt so hard. And I remember that 5K being like, do not embarrass yourself in front of this guy. Because it was me and Dave and his coworker. And I was like, do not embarrass yourself. This guy put this whole plan together for you. And you thought you could come out here and you're about to like pee your pants or poop your pants or throw up on this course. You better finish this race. And I remember crossing the finish line of that 5K and being so proud of myself. And I want you to know that like the the – the freaking joy of crossing a finish line of your first 5K, your first 10K, your first half, your first full, it doesn't matter what the distance is. When you cross the finish line and you have run more mileage than you knew you could do, the feeling of it, it's euphoric. So we run that 5K. I'm like, okay, I ran a 5K. I didn't die. Now it's time to run this half marathon. And it's so exciting. I mean, those of you who are runners, I just feel like you are going to get this. You're going to be smiling as I describe this. Those of you who have never run before, like the running community is so welcoming. There's this whole thing like the day before you go to something called an expo, which is like it's where you pick up your packet. It's where you get like your bib, which is the the piece of paper that has the number. If you've seen that when people are running, like the numbers that they wear on their chest so they, they know which runner's which. And there's something in there that like tracks your time and when you cross the miles. And you go to your expo to pick up the packet, but then like there's like these booths and there's different, you know – tank tops and fanny packs and chiropractors, basically anything that has to do with health. And you walk around and you're so excited. And everyone's excited and people come from different parts of the world. And it's just this incredible sense of community. And the night before you're like, yay, I get to eat pasta. I get to carb load. And then the next day you're so nervous and you lay out all your stuff and you get so excited and then you have to be there so early in the morning and you're like sick to your stomach like, oh, Lord, am I going to miss it? It's like 5 o'clock in the morning. You already feel like you're late. 
And then you have to pee like 12 times and, you know, you got to wait in line for a porta potty It's just, and there's music and lights and, oh, bless it. It's so special. And the first time that I ran that half, it was a, it was run Disney. And I remember they played the song over and over at the starting line because it's hard to explain if you've never gone to a race, but imagine that there's like 30,000 people or 100,000 people and you can't obviously all start running at the same time. So you're in corrals based on how fast you run. So each time a new corral would move to the starting line, they'd restart the song, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. A dream is a wish your heart makes. You guys know that one? And I cried my eyeballs out every single time they started. Every time I'd get closer and closer to that start line and they'd replay that song, I was like, this is a dream that my heart made. This moment. And you start the run. And what's incredible about Run Disney is that you are literally running through Disneyland. I've never done it in, at the other properties, but you're literally running through Disneyland. You're running through California Adventure. You run, if you're familiar with California, you run from the parks to Anaheim Stadium, which is so sick. You run through the stadium and then you come back. But while you're running through the park, every single ride is on and going. There's nobody there because it's very early in the morning. Every ride's going, there's floats, literally every character. Do you want to stitch? Do you want to take a picture with Darth Vader? Do you want to take a picture with Mickey and Minnie? Do you like, it doesn't matter who you love. They are cheering for you while you run this race, which is so magical, but also, and this is the key, distracting. When you decide to run a race at the end of this episode, when you're like, Rach, I am doing this, really, really important to think about what you are going to look at. And that sounds silly until you're in it. Now, I had a one of my old coworkers decided to run a marathon a couple of years ago, a few years back. And I remember that she signed up for the marathon, unless I'm delusional, she signed up for a marathon in a place called Marathon, Texas. Lord, I hope I don't think I'm making it up. But Basically, I remember her coming back and being like, it was so hard because she was just running on a road in the desert. Like there was nothing to look at. It gets so monotonous. So think through, that's why Disney's great, is there's just, you, you're constantly distracted from the pain because it's hard. And that really helps when you're like, I can't do it. And then all of a sudden Cinderella's like, go. You're like, okay. So. That was my first half. It was awesome. And it kicked off this hobby of mine. So ever since then, I have been running consistently. I definitely have had seasons, different seasons of my life where I've gotten really into a different kind of workout or I've you know, been into strength training or done different stuff where running isn't as popular for me. But I have consistently run since that day. And since that first half marathon, I've had many times over the years where I will just do another half. I've probably done 15 half marathons since then. And 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 that Ford is nine. So I've done 15 half marathons in nine years. And then definitely at some point, I think most runners, if you have a good experience, you start to think, oh man, like, could I do a full marathon? Like, that's crazy, but like, could I do a full? And the reason that you 
think that is because you understand what it takes. So like the beauty of running is that you are just stacking. You're stacking literally one step on top of it on top of another. You know that that expression, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And what you learn is, okay, like today I ran five steps. Tomorrow can I run six? And the next day can I run seven? And it's this beautiful experience where you're just adding on a little bit each time. And when you do it for a 5K, you're like, wait, could I do it for a half? And then could I do it for a full? So I decide that I'm going to run a full marathon. This was back when I lived in LA and I trained for six months. And training for a full marathon, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of time. And there's a ton of buildup to get to the place where you're like, okay, I've got this. And it just so happened it was this freak thing where the first time I ran a marathon in LA in February, and it was a fluke, it was 92 degrees that day. So crazy. And I was already so freaking scared. And it's compounded by the fact that it is about to be so hot. And I'm like, okay, well, this is how I die. And it was also really interesting. I was thinking about this this weekend that in training for that marathon, originally I had talked my husband at the time, I had talked him into doing it with me. And somewhere along the journey of training, he was like out. Like he didn't want to do it anymore. He for whatever reasons, there were his reasons, he didn't want to do it anymore. And the closer it got to me running the marathon, the more weird he got about me running the marathon. And I say this because I know this is something that many of you have encountered with partners, with spouses, with parents, with siblings, whatever, that when you do something that is so different than what the people around you can understand, they start to, I don't think it's conscious, sometimes it's conscious, but they, in this instance, I don't think he was conscious of it, but I do think that he started to try unintentionally try to sabotage the experience and people get scared they don't like change and i can look back over many experiences in our marriage where any time i sort of pushed further or did something that was outside the norm or did something that he wasn't doing it made him very uncomfortable and that's not me talking crap on him, that's more me saying it so that you can recognize if it shows up in your life. Because I did not have the self-awareness to have taken ownership of that experience for myself and to have put a boundary up, and I should have. The I remember the day before the marathon, you know, the expo for the LA Marathon is magnificent. Like it's huge. It's at the LA Convention Center and it's a really big deal. And one of the things that I remember was that LA, I don't know if they still do it, but 
in that race, they had a wall that had the name of every single person who was running the race. And I I wanted to pick up my packet. I wanted to walk around the expo and I wanted to see my name on the wall. And I had told him, hey, I want to take the kids to go to the expo tomorrow. Like, this is a huge deal. I think it's really special that these little boys are going to see that their mom's running a marathon. I really would love to, like, take the kids. And he was like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I'll go with you. We'll take the kids. And that day, like, everything about that from the time we left the house was just, like, an emotional mind fuck. Like he was pissed that the traffic was bad. He was pissed that it took so long to park when we got in. He was just like, this is chaos. This is crazy. Like he was, he just, everything was bad and wrong. And he kept complaining to me about how hard all of it was. And my thing was like, in my brain, I'm like, why are you even here? Like I would have taken the kids, but of course I didn't say that. I would have taken them by myself. And he just was so pissed off about the whole experience, which now in hindsight, I'm like, okay, his his energy and his vibe had nothing to do with traffic or people or whatever. It had to do with whatever it made him feel for me to be doing something that he wasn't doing. But I didn't have that ability to process or see that at the time. So I just kept feeling worse and worse and more stressed about it. And Eventually, I was like, I got my packet and I was like, let's just go. Like, let's just go. This is, it was so stressful to have him be so pissed off that I was like, let's just leave. And we literally, I got my packet and we left. I didn't walk around the expo. I never saw my name on the wall. I didn't do any of it. And I was so upset for the rest of the day. And I remember I cried myself to sleep the night before my first marathon, when you're supposed to be sleeping. I was so upset and I was so sad that he was upset. This is, I mean, guys, I've done a lot of therapy since, but the like codependence of this, of like, oh no, he was upset he had to go to this with me. I wish, I. this is, again, I'm telling you my experience. He will have his own experience of that moment. But I'm telling you this because I wish I could go back in time and I've put up personal boundaries for myself in doing this really big thing. Because if you're going to take on a challenge like this, it is so easy to let people talk you out of it. The people who love you most, even coming from a place of love, will speak into the exact fear that you have. And they'll encourage you in the fear unintentionally sabotaging your you even doing it but in that instance he didn't it didn't sabotage me it didn't keep me from doing it but it definitely I definitely gave my power away and I definitely gave away what could have been a really beautiful moment in this weekend for me because I let someone else control the experience so I just want to say that it doesn't matter it doesn't even have to be about running but I think anytime we're doing something that steps outside of what other people around us understand, we have to be on the lookout. It doesn't mean that you get angry. Like I, if I could go back in time, I wouldn't have gotten pissed. I wouldn't have fought with him. I w- from a place of love, I would have been like, oh my gosh, no, no, you stay home. I'm going to take the kids because this is an experience that I want to have with them. 
And it would have been that easy. So that was the experience. I do the full marathon. It's 92 degrees. It feels absolutely impossible. It was the hardest thing physically that I've ever done. Yeah. I mean, I've done stuff since then, but nothing was as hard as that day. And my only goal was I did not want to walk. I was terrified of walking. I was terrified of everything, but I was terrified of walking because oftentimes if your muscles are like really overused and you you stop, like if you walk, they can seize up. And I had, I had had this happen in some of my training runs and I had seen this happen to other people and they just like can't keep going. So I was terrified. So I was like, I don't care how slow I'm running, I will not walk. So I did the LA Marathon. I mean, crossing the finish line of that race, I have used that memory 10,000 times since then. And it's why I feel like everybody, but especially moms, should experience it because I just don't think we have typically a lot of experiences where we did that. Like nobody can run a race for you. You have to do, it doesn't matter if you have a crowd of 50 people around you, you still have to be the one that puts one foot in front of the other to do the thing. And it's just so powerful. And I, it was an incredible experience and I did it. I was like, I am never doing that again. Like I had zero desire to ever run a marathon again. Cause I was like, I just, no, thank you. <laughs> I did it. I checked that box. I definitely had done, I've done lots of half since then. I still run, but just no desire. Then at the end of last year, which if you haven't listened, I did a podcast about this, but I unexpectedly got pregnant and it was a really scary experience um, just because it was totally unplanned and I have four kids and I wasn't anticipating having more and went through all the emotions and all the fear and all the holy shit and then got really excited about it because I thought, well, this is, you know, this is amazing. Like I never thought I'd have a baby again and I'm just going to embrace this and went for a routine ultrasound and um, at uh, just about four months found out that um, the baby's heartbeat had stopped and it had stopped growing. And it was really brutal, guys. It was just emotionally, it was horrible. But physically, it was really like, so I had gone through all these months of pregnancy and then had about a month of miscarrying. I never knew that. I never knew that when you miscarry, there's a whole episode, but basically I had to take medicine that made me miscarry. You just, you bleed and bleed and bleed for weeks and weeks. And I just felt like my body had been through the ringer. And when I started to come out of the hormonal fog of that, I really craved, I really wanted to run. Running is like therapy for me. It's prayer. It's church. It's meditative. It's joyful. And it didn't start out that way, but that's what it is for me and has been for me for a long time. So I started just like I did at the beginning of my running journey. I started 
you know, with half a mile and then a mile and then a mile and a half and just slowly built my way back up. And I remember my incredible boyfriend was like, he was so caring and wonderful. He was just like, don't push yourself, you know, please like just be gentle with your body and you've been through so much. And it was so sweet. But what he didn't understand was that I needed to push a little bit. I needed to be reminded that I was still here and that this body was still very capable and still very strong. And it was a really beautiful time to to get back in. And in that process, I made the decision that I, I wanted to run another marathon. I thought, it would be awesome to train. It would be an incredible challenge and it would be a celebration of what my body can do. And so I started to run a couple of times a week. And when I say a couple of times a week, I mean, you know, first it was like three miles a couple of times a week. And I was up to, I would do four miles on one day and then my long run would be six miles on the weekend. So it's a lot. It might sound like a lot if you're not a runner, but if you're training for a race for real, it's not a very intense schedule. And I was in that and I was looking for a marathon to run. And I thought, oh, it'd be cool to like go to another country or like do something different or whatever. And I just kept looking, looking. I was doing a lot of research and I was kind of asking God and requesting of the universe, like, I really want to run a race. Like, I really want to do this marathon. You know, let me know. (laughs) Trying to like see where I should go and kind of nothing was working out timing wise. And then last Friday, I was going to yoga and I was really excited. I love my yoga class and it's something I couldn't do while I was pregnant because I do hot yoga. And so I've been really enjoying being able to do yoga a couple times a week. And it was, I was so pumped to go on Friday and I got all my work done and like got my stuff together and got in the car. And it was just like a weird day. It was a holiday weekend and traffic was really weird. And about halfway there, I was like, I feel like I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss class. Cause you know, if you're not there at the beginning, you're not getting in. And I was talking to my boyfriend on the phone. I'm like, man, I feel like I'm going to miss yoga. He's like, no, you're not. You're going to get there. Don't worry. You'll get there. Like you've been so looking forward to this. And then I'm like, no, I I think because it just was taking forever. I'm like, I think I'm going to, I'm going to miss class. And I am very laid back. Like I really live my life. Like if I don't get a flight, I don't get a flight. If in fact, there was only there, this is hilarious. Cause if any of you had seen me in the Miami airport a couple of weeks ago, you would have been like, that bitch is not okay with missing a flight because I sprinted. I have never come so close to missing a flight in my life. And I usually will just like, let it be. Cause I'm like, all right, if I, if I don't, if I didn't get it, I'll get the next one. But I have my kids full time. Um, so I'm single parenting for the win. And I had promised my oldest son that he could have a friend spend the night. And I was like, I was going to make dinner for them. And I was going to do this whole thing. And I had only gone out of town for one night. I had to go out of town for work. And I got to the airport. It just was crazy traffic. It was this whole thing. And I was like, I cannot miss this flight. I promised him. And I, you know, I, I take my promises very seriously to the kids. And I just, I mean, I sprinted, sprinted through the Miami airport. That's neither here nor there. But typically 
I I'm just very chill. Like I feel like if it if it if I don't get there, I'm like I'm like McConaughey. Like I'm just like, all right, I I wasn't supposed to go to yoga. So I literally said to my boyfriend, he's like, no, you're gonna make it. And I said, you know what? If I don't, it's because the guardian angels or the spirit guides wanted me to do something else today. You know, that honestly, I'm like, I was meant to do something else. I wasn't meant to go to yoga. So I drive over to yoga. I'm a few minutes late, can't get in. So I'm like, oh, I know what the spirit guides wanted me to do. They wanted me to go to Juiceland to get a smoothie. That's a local uh, smoothie place. I was like, I need a percolator, which is like a smoothie with coffee in it. And it's delicious in case you're wondering. So I'm like, I'm going to go get a smoothie. And as I'm driving to get a smoothie, I see a big sign that says traffic on Sunday because of the marathon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's why I miss yoga. I'm supposed to run this marathon. Like it was so clear to me. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys think it's cheesy, but I am in conversation with God and the universe and guardian angels all day long, all day long. I'm in prayer. I'm in conversation all day. And I really feel like I am guided. And I felt a knowing inside. I was just like, I'm supposed to run that race. And I literally looked up where the expo was because a lot of times races, you can still sign up even if it's race weekend. I looked up where the expo was. I drove there. And in the parking lot of the expo, I text my nanny and I said, is there any way that you could come in on Sunday? Because like, who's going to be with my kids while I try and do this thing? God bless her. She was like, yep, I got you. And I signed up for the marathon at the race because I just kept thinking. But let, hold on, let me back up. When I had the thought, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to run that race, I immediately was like, you're insane. There's no way. There is no way. And then there was this part of me that was like, but what if? What if I could do this? What if I could run this race? Like, what if it's possible? And then the thought was, when I ran the first marathon, I did something that I did not think was possible for my body. If I could run this race without training, I will do something that I didn't know was possible for anyone. Because I'm, in, I'm way healthier than I was when I ran my first marathon. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I just had this instinct. And like, I probably watched too many documentaries about people like climbing mountains or doing crazy things. But I also, I don't know if you've ever heard that David Goggins quote where he says like, when you think that you are completely tapped, you're really only at 40%. And I was like, okay, well, I know I could run a half this weekend if I needed to. And if running a half would be 40%, then technically I probably could run a full. So I just did it. Because I thought, what's the worst that happens? The worst that happens is I sign up for this race and then a few miles in, I'm like, okay, I gotta, I can't do this. But I knew for sure, no matter what, I was going to end up running more miles than I would have if I hadn't signed up for the race. So I was like, what do I have to lose? I hadn't gotten to run a race in so long and I wanted the feeling of like the runners and like the, the hearing the cowbell. And I just, it was so, I was like, freaking A, let's go. So I sign up for this thing, and every time over the next 24 or 48 hours, however long it was, every time I got scared, I was just like, nope, 
there is no, we're not even holding space for negativity. And because of that, I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. I told my boys, Noah's too young to understand, but I told my three boys that I was going to do it. And my nanny knew. I didn't tell my boyfriend I signed up. I didn't tell anybody. Because I was just like, I didn't want anybody else's, I didn't want anybody else to weigh in. And I didn't want anyone else to worry. And I just wanted to do this thing. And I also didn't want the pressure of like, okay, well, if I bone out after like 10 miles, I don't want to feel like I'm disappointing anyone. I just want this to be something I do for me. I documented the whole thing, which we will put on YouTube because I just think it's wild and special and really cool. But a couple of things that I just wanted in telling that story that I wanted you guys to hear me say is, number one, I ran this second marathon without training until Sunday. The most miles I had run for a while was six. Six miles was the most I had run. I ran this marathon without training, and I ran it two minutes faster than the first time I did a marathon and I trained for six months. That's freaking crazy. And I feel very confident in how I did this. And if you guys think that my woo-woo stuff is cheesy, this is going to be, this is cheese. This is nacho cheese. This is Velveeta cheese. This is some cheese, but it's real. For real, for real. I ran my first marathon terrified. The achiever in me was terrified of failure. I was terrified of people watching me fail. I was terrified of getting hurt. I was terrified of pooping my pants. Like you name it. I was I was scared of everything. And going into this marathon, I just wanted to do a little experiment. I just wanted to see if there would be a difference running a race out of love instead of fear. Like what if I just had fun? What if my goal was to give as much love to the people around me as I possibly could? What if this race was a celebration of love for my body? What if I refused to let fear into the equation? Y'all, I did not walk this race until mile 18. And at that point, I would walk for a minute and then run, walk for a minute and then run. I walked a little bit of every mile past mile 18. And frankly, I did that because Austin Marathon is all hills. I had no idea. This also was powerful. Ignorance is bliss. Because if I had looked at the course map, if I had understood how many hills were in this marathon, I never would have done it. So I had the best time. I had so much fun. I dedicated every single mile of my race to a different person that I love. And I, when I finished the mile that was for them, I would send them a voice note on my phone and just say, hey, I'm doing this crazy thing. You were mile six, you were mile three, you were, you were mile 19. And not only am I sending you good vibes and loving you so much, but I also want you to know that I meditated on gratitude for you during this mile. And I meditated on the characteristic about you that I most admire. And it just ended up being this incredible experience. And what I love, so I paid extra when I signed up so that they'll take pictures of you when you're running at like the 
the race people do. And then they send you like, hey, here's a link with all your pictures. With the exception of the finish line, because I'm bawling in those pictures, every single other picture, 26.2 miles, I am smiling. I was like, what is the psychology of every time I felt like I was struggling, I would make myself smile. I would make myself laugh. I would cheer on another runner. I would like shout out to the people on the sidelines and thank them for being there. Like, am I sore? Yes. But I was way more sore after I ran the first race. And I believe that's because fear makes you tense everything in your body. So I literally ran my first marathon super tense and terrified. And this time I literally was like dancing. I was having fun. I I just did something I didn't think was possible. And I remember years ago talking to a therapist about writing because I would sit down to write books and I would be so hard, like the tortured artist. And I'd be so hard on myself and it was a miserable experience. And I got into believing that in order for me to produce results, I had to make it hard. It had to be hard. And she was like, well, what if you just tried to write from a place of joy? And that recommendation changed everything that came after for me. And that's what this experience taught me was like, it will make me question everything that I believe has to be hard just got flipped on its head. And I have challenged myself to do a lot of physical things that I didn't think I could do, like when we did the Everest challenge and stuff like that. So I definitely knew before I started that I could do hard things. And I don't think I would have been able to do this if I hadn't run a marathon before. I think I would have psyched myself out. And obviously, I'm very healthy. I eat really clean. I'm in a great place, like emotionally and physically. So my mindset's really good. And all of those contributed to my ability to do this crazy thing. But I swear that I was able to accomplish this crazy idea because it was about love. And I ended up sending a note. One of my girlfriends is going through um, IVF and I sent her a voice note and I was just like, hey, I don't know if this will be helpful, but I just had this experience and I want to say to you, could you love every part of it? Could you love even the pieces of your experience where you normally feel fear or anger or resentment? Could you find love? Like I just recently read a book by Louise Hay and she was talking about bills. She's saying, you know, people get so pissed that they have to pay bills and they are angry about their bills. She said, I bless every single bill. I kiss the bill. You know, this was back when you used to get, you know, the bill in the mail. She's like, I kiss them before I send the check back because a bill is evidence that a business trusted me enough to give me something before I had actually paid for it. Like this bill represents something that I've gotten or the fact that my lights are on or the fact that my house is warm. And so I bless the fact that I pay a bill. So in your own experience, in the parts that are hard, could you find love for the tough? Could you find love for the things that suck? Because in doing that, none of it sucks. The whole thing just felt like this beautiful, magical experiment. And I am not suggesting 
<laughs> that you run out and try and run a marathon. I think that training for a race is a really powerful emotional journey to go on. And if you want to get into running, the training is, is a big part of it. Because you're getting to race day knowing the hours that you put in to have the mental capacity and the mindset required to finish. But in this instance, I just, I did something I thought was impossible. And I just, I'm still not even done unpacking it. Like I still am going to have to really think about how, how this happened and what this means. And I remember my my boys, because they were tracking me that day, they were just like, you know, across like mile 10 or and they were like, mom, I can't believe you're doing this. And like, I love that they're seeing that. Like, I love that they see this example of something that they were like, you're going to do what? And the morning of the race, I ended up sending a text to my boyfriend. Uh, he's in Europe. And I was like, hey. Just it was like a picture of me, like at the starting line. I was like, "Hey, off to do my long run." He was like, "Oh my gosh, what are you doing? This is so exciting! What's happening?" And then I sent him a link to track me, and he said, "Oh, are you doing the half?" And I was like, "Have you met me? You think I'm about? You think have you got? Do you guys ever see Old School? The movie Old School. It's one of my favorite lines where Vince Vaughn like has planned this elaborate party, and his friends like." Oh, you get you get a band. He's like, you think what do you, you think I got? I got a million dollars in speakers and lights set up. You think I got some student alt rock band? No. He's like, make sure you got a view of the stage. That was me. I was like, no, man, we're going, we're going full out. And who, uh, guys, it just it was so special. And you don't have to try and do something like that. But if you haven't done anything in the last five years that makes you surprised by yourself. If you haven't done anything in the last five years that you do it and you think, holy shit, I can't believe I just did that, then you got to challenge yourself. This is me like if you need a sign, if you need something to kick you in the pants, if you need someone to tell you that you've got this, you have got this. You can do this thing. When you see people doing it and you're like, that would be cool, like, but I can't do that. That's not me. I'm not a runner. My people, I don't have the genetic. No, that is BS. I am telling you that you will get out there on race day. You will see every single type of body. You will see every person. You will see every age. You will be so inspired. And the only thing that matters is that you finish. Like your time doesn't matter. Your freaking pace doesn't matter. It matters that you finish. It matters that you do something that you didn't think that you could do. Because that is the stuff that sustains you when everything else falls away. When work is hard, when you're going through a divorce, when you're struggling with your teenager, when, you know, you're helping, uh, your parent is having to go into assisted living, like all the hard stuff that you have to deal that life is going to throw at you, whether you want it or not, you need experiences that you can fall back on and go, yeah, this is hard. But I can do hard things by choice. Lots of people can do hard things when they're forced. This is a hard thing that you choose to do. 
I started this year and I promised myself that I would stop being a weenie. I don't know if you saw that episode of Rach Talk, but I, it's only February and I have jumped into an ocean in England. I've gone skiing. I have run a marathon without training and I had dental work done. Yep. Day after this, I went and had dental work done, which you're laughing because that sounds stupid, but I am petrified of the dentist. And I was like, you know what? We're not a weenie. We can do hard things. And that means someone is going to give you a shot in your gums and you're going to live. If you started pushing towards things that scare you, if you start pushing towards that discomfort zone, I think you'd be shocked at the person you become. There is no way, not in a million years, did 29-year-old version of me ever imagine that I could do the things that I could do today. She couldn't even dream this. It was too big of a dream. But just like running, dreams have a way of growing and more becomes possible when you start to move forward. So I really freaking hope that this was a push that you need to go right now, right now, go sign up, go sign up. In fact, I want to challenge you guys to sign up and like tag me on social, like show me the crazy thing that you did or like hashtag, I did it, Rach. Like, I don't know, something. Just freaking do it. Don't overthink it. You can Google how to train for a race. You can find a local running group. You can read a thousand blogs or watch YouTube videos. The answers are there. If you have a calling on your heart, even if it's scary, just freaking do it. All right. I love you guys. I'm rooting for you. If this episode was helpful, share it with a friend, y'all. Like you're listening every week. You got to this point. Do me a solid. Do your friend a solid. Share it. I think everything in my career is based on the idea that I find things I think will be helpful to others and then I give them to my community or I share them with my friends and this is a really great opportunity for you. In fact, send this to your friend and be like, girls, let's get a running club together. We're going running. We're doing the Disney run. Until I see you next time, subscribe to the show. Thanks for hanging out. I love you and I'm rooting for you and uh, let's go get a run in. The Rachel Hollis podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.